0: gentlemen we are back we are motherfucking back sports have come back they're here to stay Thursday night baseball's back America's motherfucking pastime we are here to stay they cannot keep us down America has been waiting for so goddamn long the cases are going up in some places The cases are dropping in other places, but that's okay because that's not going to stop us Americans from plopping our fat asses on the couch and watching a ball go across the field in one green area to another green area. Sports are back. We got MLB on Thursday, Friday, Saturday until September. It's going to be beautiful. I cannot wait for the Yankees to face off with the Nationals, all those naysayers that said it was too early this, too early that. Well, you can't watch. Simple as that. I'm not allowing you to watch. If you didn't want sports to come back as early as they did, fuck you, get the fuck out, turn your TV off, go watch some more Netflix with your miserable lives like you have for the past four months. Sports are back. Sports are goddamn back. Gambling's back. We got NBA exhibition games going on right now. Their pseudo-regular season, end of the regular season is coming back in a week or so. Yankees, Nationals, ESPN, 7 o'clock. I can't wait. Cole versus Scherzer. If you're not excited, I don't know what is wrong with you. It's crazy that the MLB was the last league to finalize their plans for coming back with the labor disputes between the MLBPA and the owners and all that stuff, but they're the first league. I'm not going to count the MLS because no one's going to count the MLS. They're the first league to come back at all, really. I mean, they're going to be back before the NBA is back, obviously before the NHL, and then football will kick off. But yes, the MLB is back, and we have some weird modified over-unders. I have three huge bets for you. You take these bets, you put down a million dollars on each of them, you will come away winning $3 million. And here we go. Pick number one. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim over 31.5. I beat the shit out of the Angels whenever I had a chance because I hate them for ruining Mike Trout's career. Because that's what they did. Mike Trout had the chance to hit the free agent market, still get a record deal, but yet come to a bigger market, play with a bigger spotlight, and play in the actual postseason. Well, this over-under in a 60-game season is only at 31.5. So 32 games, that's running the numbers, is about 86-87 games in a 162-game season. So, it's not that much of a jump when they're usually bordering 500 anyway. But now, things are a little bit different. Yes, their pitching is dog shit as usual. They didn't improve that in the offseason when they should have. But they still have Mike Trout. They still have the most clutch hitter in the MLB last season, Anthony Rendon. And Shohei Otani is going to be healthy. And the biggest addition, in my opinion, is getting Joe Madden. I mean, he gets the most production out of the talent that he's given his entire career, really. In the past 10 years, he's only had less than 90 wins twice. That's it. That's twice. That's all the years helping rebuild with the Cubs. That's all those years working with the Tampa Bay Rays. And they're really low budget. So I really trust Joe Madden to get very creative in a short season. He knows how to win games, he's not afraid to work outside the box. And that's what I love about Joe Madden. He's not afraid to implement a weird six man infield. There's weird stuff like that. Joe Madden is all over. And in a 60 game season, you're scratching and clawing every single game. I love that. So give me the Angels, give me them over 31 and a half. I love that bet. Next, we're going to go with two dog shit teams. We're going to go very, very low, scrape the bottom of the barrel because that's where the money is right now. On every over-under, there's a winner, there's a loser. Be on the right side. Go on the under for the Marlins. It's a very square pick. It's a very popular pick. You know the Marlins are bad. You see their over-under, it's 24.5. Go the under. Get down. This is a very competitive division in the NL East. A very competitive division. You have the Phillies that think they can win it. You have the Mets, even though Strowman just got announced that he's not going to be playing because of the calf injury. The Mets think they can win it as well if they can stay healthy. You have the Braves, of course. Reigning division champs, they think they can win it. And then the reigning World Series champs, Nationals, they obviously think that they can win it. They still have that rotation there. So there's no reason to believe that the rest of the division's not going to beat the shit out of the Marlins. They can't get away with falling asleep on a lazy Tuesday. You know, every single game counts three times as much as it did in any other season in the MLB's history. The Braves aren't going to fall asleep and let a weird middle-of-the-week, get-me-over-bullpen game happen and they're going to lose to the Marlins. No, the Marlins are going to get their best shot every single time. And there's no let-up when they go into interleague play. Then they play the AL East, that has teams like the Red Sox, teams like the Rays, teams like the Blue Jays, who will look very good with Bo Flatty Jr. And, of course, the New York Yankees. So they are not going to get a break at all. At all. The Marlins are going to be hit in the face 24-7 because they're surrounded by teams that can't give up these losses, which I mean it's every MLB team, but there's never going to be games taken off against the Marlins because all these other teams that are in a competitive division, they're scratching and clawing. They can't go with two losses against the Marlins. It's a death sentence. You know, you've got to sweep or only lose one game against the Marlins this season if you want to surrender a win there, a loss there, to other teams in your division. So definitely hammer that under on the Marlins. I mean, you look at their roster right now. Their ace, the best pitcher, the best starter they've run out there is Sandy Alcantara. Who the fuck is Sandy Alcantara? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) He was their token uh, All-Star nomination last year. I have no idea who this dude is. They are giving you nothing. And poor Jonathan VR. he's jumping from... The Orioles, he had a he had a good season there, going down south, going to another shit team, to the Miami Marlins. But at least this time he's gonna be able to go to the beach in the off days. I mean, poor Jonathan VR. Who the fuck is Sandy Alcantara? But definitely hammer that under on the Miami Marlins. And next, my third over under bet, lock it in, hammer it, make a million dollars. Another shit team. We're gonna go with the Pirates. For the same exact reason. You're in the NL Central. There are four other teams in that division that feel like they can win the division. Especially in a 60 game season. The Cardinals, Brewers, and Cubs are perennially in the playoff discussion. They're always in that bubble. They fight tooth and nail to the end of the season every single time. There's no reason why this season is going to be any different. There really isn't. All three of those teams have the same kind of tools, you should see them all fighting for the win of the division, fighting to make the playoffs, and now you introduce the Reds in the conversation, the Reds have had a couple of off seasons that have really juiced them up, there's a reason why they're over under is pretty high themselves, you know the Reds are at 31 and a half right now too, that's the same estimation as Angels, so they're pretty high up there, over 500 team, but you know they have that rotation with Wade Miley, you have Trevor Bauer, who if he is able to prove that he can shake off the off-the-field stuff. He has his own media company, very active on Twitter, voice of the players type guy. If he can keep that off the field, and you saw him launch the ball over center field and got taken out when he was on the Indians and then he was traded less than a week after that, if he can shake that kind of mental game, weird, off-the-field stuff, being vocal in that, and producing the fields, Trevor Barrow is a great starter. He's a great star to have in that middle of rotation, maybe your two-guy. And then the ace for the Reds, Sonny Gray. I mean, who would have thought? Well, I mean, I would have thought. Because, of course, after the Yankees push him to the side, after a disastrous season and a half, Sonny Gray, supposed to be the next big thing, finesse guy, couldn't handle the weight of the pinstripes, goes to Cincinnati in his first year there, all-star nomination, 2.87 ERA, Good for Sonny Gray. So he's emerged back into his Oakland Athletics-type prestige. So he's a player in the game now. So a top-three rotation, Wade Miley, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, they can make some noise there. And that's not even talking about one of the best hitters in the modern era of Major League history, Joey Votto. So, I mean, do not sleep on the Cincinnati Reds. Last year, I had them as my dark horse team. They didn't pull through. But that does not mean I'm still not in love with them. So all in all, it's a heavy, heavy division, the NL Central. All that to say is the Pirates, they're going down. They're sinking hard. All those teams are jockeying for those playoff spots, for the division and the wild card. That means they're going full steam ahead against the Pirates. They're not going to let up at all. Bet on the Pirates under 25.5. The Pirates are not going to get close to that number. I will be surprised if they win 22 games. I see both them and the Marlins really getting the brunt end of these super-powered teams. I see them really struggling this season. So to recap, we have the Angels over 31 and a half, the Marlins under 24 and a half, and the Pirates under 25 and a half. And depending on what sports sportsbook, depending on what time you read this, those numbers might change a little bit, but I still love those sides on each bet there. What I would guess for the Angels, I guess around 33-34 wins. Marlins around 20 wins. Pirates around 22 wins. That's what I think is, is fair enough right there. All right, and now for my division picks. My picks for each MLB division, starting off in the AL, There's no surprise to the AL East. The New York Yankees are going to run over that division. They're really looking at over 40-game winners right there. The only competition right now is probably the Rays and the Jays, kind of uh, right around there. I mean, I do like the Blue Jays more than most. The Red Sox have kind of committed to a bit of a rebuild. They just found out they're not going to get Mookie Betts back next year, so that's a bit of a bummer for them. But give me the New York Yankees... Not really going out on a limb there. New York Yankees win the AL East. And now it's the AL Central. The Cleveland Indians really fell off. They really fell off last year. And I think it continues. I think we're going to have another repeat as champ in 2020 in the 60-game schedule. Give me the Minnesota Twins. They're really easy to forget about because of their postseason just absolute disasters of late. I mean, you're still not going to sell me on them. Beating the Yankees in a series. I mean, there will always be daddy when it comes to the playoffs. But they still have some absolute mashers in their lineup. They really do. Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz. Now they have Josh Donaldson. I see no reason why they win that division again. I mean, there's no reason I see the White Sox to make the jump. I know they have a lot of young talent, but it's really, very, truly unproven talent. There are some very delusional White Sox fans out there that think they're going to make a run from the south side, and I just don't see it. Give me the Twins to repeat. Boring so far, Yankees-Twins make the playoffs in the American League. Now we go out west. Out west to our good friends, the Houston Astros. Another chalk pick. I wish I could give you something out on a limb. I wish I really could make a bold take here, but... I have the Angels as one of my overpicks, but they haven't really been contending for that division much. They haven't. It's going to be a very strong division. They're going to leap the athletics, the Angels are, in the division this year. I know they're lower in the odds to win the division, but the Houston Nashos, they miss Garrett Cole. They still have a dirty rotation. They still have Justin Verlander, who hasn't shown any bit of regression at all. They still have Altuve, they still have Correa, still have Bregman, Springer. You could keep on going with that team. No A.J. Hinch, but I think that coaching and managing in baseball, it's really replaceable. Apart from a few guys like Joe Madden, like Terry Francona, a lot of replaceable, especially when you give them the, pretty much the whole off season, an extended offseason. You're going to see the Astros' faults are a little bit, but they're still well in control of that division. I see no reason otherwise. Now it's going to get a little more interesting. When we flip over to the National League, you have the NL East. Last year was supposed to be one of the most exciting divisions in baseball. Didn't really work up to that billing because the Phillies fell off, the Mets fell off, and it really was just the Braves. To the end, the Nationals made a charge for the wild card, and the rest is history. But... This year might be different. We might see a little bit different stuff happen this year. I mean, you saw the Atlantic Braves, they signed Yassiel Puig. And then a day later, he gets announced that he had coronavirus. So that signage was void. He might join the team at a later time. They might sign him again when he tests negative. But we'll see when that happens. Braves, still the favorite in the division. Second to them is the Nationals. And then you have tied for third at only plus 300 odds is the Mets and the Phillies. And the Braves themselves are a plus uh, 173 favorite, if you want to call it that, to win the division. I think the Phillies make the jump. It hurts to say. I love the Nationals. They're my second favorite team. The Braves are so fun to watch. The Mets, it doesn't hurt to say this. The talent's always going to be there, but they're never going to come through. (laughs) They're always going to Mets. The Mets are always going to Mets. Phillies could have done it last year. They had the talent there. They had the same amount of talent this year. You add Didi Gregorius, you had Joe Girardi. Gabe Kapler apparently was a piece of shit last year. That's where Philadelphia fans will tell me, is that Gabe Kapler sucks. You give Joe Girardi... He's the guy that was with the Yankees for all those years, never below 500. I think they make the jump this year. I think despite what I think is an overpaid Bryce Harper, despite what I think is a lackluster rotation, I think the Phillies pull it off. Girardi's had plenty of time to prepare this team for this season. Give me the Phillies at 300 to win the NL East. Now we go to the NL Central. and I talked about how crazy a division this is going to be. It's a four-headed race here between the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Cubs. All four of those teams are really neck and neck. I mean, it's crazy. The least likely team, according to Vegas, to win that division is the Brewers. Then you have the Cubs, the Reds, and the Cardinals. All right, crumpled up right there. It looks like barely the favor right now is the Cubs at plus 235. And I'm recording this at 11.05 p.m. on July 22nd, but it's so close. It is so damn close. Give me the Cubs. Give me the Cubs. They had a weird chemistry issue last year where they still had Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. All those names are still there, you know. They still had all the talent that they had, pretty much, since their World Series run in 2016. I think they're bound to get back to that spot. I see a tight build like the Astros. I think they get back in that spot. Give me the Cubs to win the NL Central. And, like I said before, watch for a record bad season from the Pittsburgh Pirates. And moving on to the last team... The last division in the NL West for your playoff spot? <laughs> I mean, is it any conversation? The Los Angeles Dodgers. Head and shoulders, one-man race, even more likely to win the division than the Yankees are. I mean, there is no one else in that division that's going to come close to the playoffs even. I mean, are you going to me? The Padres, the Diamondbacks? The, Rock, yeah, the Rockies, no. <laughs> There's no one that's going to even come close to the Los Angeles Dodgers to win in that division. They're going to be head and shoulders up high. They're going to be probably one of the only teams in the MLB that's going to take games off, really. Because they're going to be so high up in that number one seed in the NL race. They have unfinished business. They really do. Unfinished business. Bounced early last year to the eventual World Series champs. Couldn't come through in the World Series in the past two years before that. It's their time to shine. They just inked up Mookie Betts. That roster is locked and loaded with young talent. That rotation is still ridiculous even without Ryu. The Dodgers are going to run away with that division. And now we go with the two wild card teams throughout both leagues. I think we're going to get the Los Angeles Angels. I have him as my over team. Why can't they make the playoffs? 34-35 wins will get him there. That'll get him the over. That'll get him the playoffs. I think in a 60-game season, it's sustainable with Shohei Otani to play a two-way player. Whenever he's hot on one side, if he's pitching a sub-two ERA ball, keep him on the mound. If he's hitting home runs, keep uh, at the plate. I have the Angels making the wild card, and I also have the Tampa Bay Rays. I think the Oakland A's t- take a step back. The Tampa Bay Rays sliding in at second in the AL East, as usual, behind the Yankees. So we're going to have the Rays and the Angels battling up in the wild card. And by the way, this is all set in stone if there's no playoff amendments tomorrow, which is today, if you're listening to this, because apparently... This was the time to reopen negotiations on expanded MLB playoffs. To have 16 teams, which would be stupid, moronic, dumb. You're going to have more than half the MLB in the playoffs? I mean, is it even an accomplishment to make the playoffs? (laughs) It's ridiculous. But this is going with the base model MLB playoff system that we've seen the past couple years. So give me the Angels. Give me the Rays to make the playoffs. In the NL, I'm going to have the Braves. Yes, the Braves had that disastrous (laughs) Game 5 against the St. Louis Cardinals where they got the shit kicked out of them in the first inning. But they're going to come back strong. And the Phillies win the division does not mean the Braves are going to take much of a step back. The Braves are still going to be a powerful team battling it out at the top of the division. They're going to end up making the playoffs. Give me the Braves to win that top seed playoff spot. They're going to play at home for that game. And then, as I mentioned before, Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals are going to come back. They're that boring ass team that no one likes to talk about because I don't like to talk about. They're boring. There's not much to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals at all. I mean, they still have Yadi Molina, he's still on that team. They're still pompous fans. Or drunk off that St. Louis Blues victory in the NHL. Not much to talk about the Cardinals. But they're consistent. They consistently produce in the division. I mean, their last couple of World Series wins. They were exciting when they happened. But there wasn't that much great talent on those teams. They just knew how to win. So, as I stated, we're going to have a Cardinals- Braves wild card game grudge match. It came to a winner take all game last time they came around. It's going to be the same exact thing this time, this time in the wild card. So, those are my playoff predictions for the MLB. I'm not going to give you my World Series winner. I'm not going to give you my bracket yet. I'm going to wait till the end of the regular season to get that because then I can give you a better accurate representation after seeing these teams actually play organized official games that count so those are my playoff teams we got the Yankees twins we got the Astros and the NL we got the Phillies the Cubs we got the Dodgers and then for the wild card you have the Rays and you have the angels in the NL wild card you have the Cardinals and you have the Braves all right so we made it we're past the MLB talk. I cannot wait until that gets underway. As a Yankees fan myself, I'm in that camp of fuck the Astros, the Red Sox lost their guy Mookie into a ridiculous deal with the with the Dodgers again. But they can afford it, so I'm not complaining too much. I'm in the camp of a fuck you season. It's a fuck you season for the New York Yankees. They're fully healthy right now. The only guy they're missing is Luis Severino. But other than that, stacked rotation, of course, stacked bullpen, of course, power bats with the DJ LeMahieu, with the Glaber Torres. This is a lockdown year for the New York Yankees. There is absolutely no excuse this time. Last year, so many injuries, right? It was absolutely ridiculous how many injuries last year. This year, almost 100% healthy. So I cannot wait until we see this Yankees team put up 40 wins that's what I'm expecting for the Yankee team I'm not putting my money where my mouth is on that because I don't need extra investment in the Yankees I mean if I were to bet on the Yankees I would bet Yankees minus one and a half every single game because it's been profitable the past three years it really has been great don't bet Yankees money line always go minus one and a half when they beat teams they beat them by a lot so always hammer that run line if you're betting the Yankees but it's going to be a very weird but long-awaited season. The whole labor dispute stuff, that's that's out the window. I don't care anymore. I really do not care anymore. We'll deal with that when we get there. If the uh, players go on strike, I just cannot wait to turn on the TV and watch New York Yankees baseball. But moving on to the college football world, my second love. Baseball is number one. College football is number two. What is up with this virtue signaling all across sports, but right now with college football? And this isn't your social rights virtue signaling that you see in like Starbucks and McDonald's and all that kind of stuff. This is college football pretending like they're doing something to help prevent spread of COVID-19 when they're actually just saving their own wallets. And no one's really called them out on this. They really haven't. The uh, Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SWAC, and I'm sure a bunch of other small colleges and conferences have announced they're canceling out-of-conference play for 2020. A couple of great matchups there, and we scrapped Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Penn State, Virginia Tech for my home school. And this isn't to stop the spread. This is to save their wallets. Because with those huge, big-name schools, those big non-conference games, with those being canceled, yes, it sucks. But that's a small percentage of the games being canceled. The large percentage of the games is those weird buy games where Alabama will pay 500 grand for Tulsa to come to kick their ass, right? That's not happening anymore. You know, they're going to miss a full season of that And a large piece of those programs, those very small conference schools, their budget is largely based on what they get paid for in non-conference games from those huge schools. I mean, that's how they fund a lot of their programs. That's why you're seeing a lot of programs being cut. And the reason they're doing this specifically this year is because there's not going to be many fans in the stadium. There's not going to be much money generated. But they're not outright saying it because of that. They're saying it's for the safety of the players which is so stupid. A lot of times there's less travel involved in games that are non-conference. Texas versus Texas A&M. Same state, wouldn't be able to happen. Different conference. Ohio versus Ohio State. Same state, close spot, wouldn't be able to happen, but Ohio State can go to Nebraska and play, even though it's farther away. It's so stupid. Is there a study I'm not aware of Where Big Ten and Big Ten players can have bodily contact, can breathe on each other for three hours at a time, and they are less likely to spread the disease than Big Ten and SEC schools? Because please show me it. Because please show me it. It is such bullshit. It's such virtue signaling, but they're not getting called out for it. You're not going to see those great games just because the universities want to save some money. And who does this hurt? This hurts the fans, this hurts the media. This hurts the small schools. Who does this help? The elites, the guys at the top, the schools. They say they're all about the fans. They say they're all about the student-athletes. It's not true. They're about their wallets. But you already knew that. But this is another one of those examples, but they're getting away with it this time. They're getting away with saving their wallets, but passing it off as helping their players. No, Penn State can't go to Blacksburg and play Virginia Tech, but it's okay for them to go to Nebraska. It's okay for that. You know, it's ridiculous, man. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the good news is Army-Navy said, yeah, they're playing. Like, they they played throughout World War II. They're not going to let this stop them. So so we will see a grand total guaranteed one college football game this season, Army-Navy, America's pastime, which if it happens, it happens. You know, I love college football. I love it so much. I love... Sometimes to a fault, their resistance to change. But this is ridiculous. This jump in the gun. It's so stupid. It's either what I said before, saving money, or it's gradually canceling the season entirely. Because there's no reason why they can have in-conference games, but not out-of-conference games. There's no reason why Michigan State can play Penn State, but Michigan State can't play Central Michigan. There's no reason why at all. You cannot give me a scientific, a logical, other than it's saving them money and they're getting away with it. Shame on a lot of the mainstream media because they are not picking this up. It's absolute garbage. It really is. But that's all I'm going to do on sports today because I have an experience to share with you. I turned 22 on Tuesday. No big deal. You know, once you get past the 21, the real important birthdays are, I think, twenty-five. You can rent a car. That's pretty nice. You're a, you're a more of an adult then. You're far away, farther away from your college years, and then it goes every ten years. The thirty, the forty, the fifty. But my big gift for my twenty-second birthday, so my girlfriend, she took me skydiving. And it was a big surprise. She had me driving blind, just telling me which directions to make end up driving an hour and a half into the middle of southern Florida and it was a stormy day like most southern Florida summers so we were sitting there for a long time sweating a lot it was a mixture of nerves humid weather hot weather you know South Florida but I got in the air and the weirdest part was I got the video package and the video package they don't actually tell you how it's gonna go But anyway, when we finally get throughout the three hour wait, when the weather clears up, my instructor, my tandem guy, the guy that's dick to butt right behind me, (laughs) I mean we are strapped in tight. Very uncomfortable, but you make do. You know, this is this guy's job. He's used to it, so I'm just going with it. Just very tight and snug right against me. This is the guy that's talking to me. His name is Zach with no C and a K. Z-A-K. Perfect. That's who you want in a tandem skydiver. That's who you want in your life in his hands. Zach, no C, a K. He's got the gauges in his ears where it looks like he has just marbles instead of earrings in his ears. The piercing on the top of the ear and just the Oakley sunglasses. Badass Zach, no C, just a K. Comes up to me, explains to me all the rules, regulations. I watched the video, the safety video, all that kind of stuff. I'm getting really excited. And he pulls me over to like this. looks like a press conference backing, right? Has the company name just a bunch of times on the wall. And all of a sudden he holds a camera in my face. He goes, what you about to do? And I am just caught off guard. You know, I'm going into speaking about sports, speaking on the radio, being an on-air personality. I'm going into that field, right? But I was so ill-prepared for this. This was just off guard, a shoot. Tell me what you're about to do, the camera's rolling. So I was like, "Uh, about to jump 14,000 feet out of the air, gonna fly 120 miles per hour. So awkward, I got like, I'm like holding my shirt, nervous twitch, very uncomfortable. Everyone's looking at me in the garage. Like they're like, why is this guy paying for this package? How much money he's got? And then it gives me the weird half-assed high five from behind the camera. But yeah, we're going straight up in the plane, It was just so weird. He just keeps on holding the camera in my face, screaming, because we're in the plane. We're flying in the air, very small, skipper-type plane. We're packed in there with, like, eight other skydivers, and it's just so weird, because the the camera's just in my face. I don't know where to look, because I either look straight into the back of the guy in front of me as I'm straddling this bench, or I look into the camera with no script, (laughs) no words prepared, And then, and then, (laughs) and then he asks me, he screams in my ear, cuts so loud. How you feeling, Christian? So I look into the camera and I, and I just give him the rock and roll, (laughs) the rock and roll symbol, two fingers up. Woo! Woo! (laughs) I don't know what I was doing. I just don't know what I was doing. I gave him the woo, rock and roll. Here we go. But that wasn't the last time he showed me the camera, shoved it in my face, asked me a question. Right before we're about to jump, camera in my face again, Christian, how you feeling? So I go, all right, I had time to prep. I've already been through this unprepared bullshit, so this time I'm ready. So then I go, uh, feeling good, uh, a little nervous, a little nervous, giving the little sign with my two fingers, a little, little nervous. I don't really know where I am right now, which is really cool because you look out the window of this little plane and once you get kind of higher than a skyscraper, the ground looks the same for the next couple thousand miles up. It really does. And I had this weird sense of calm. I was not scared. And it's a hardo move. It's a tough guy move, but no, I wasn't that scared. I kind of wish I was a little more scared, but since I was so tightly strapped in with the tandem driver behind me. I had so little control. So I felt like I was kind of strapped into a roller coaster ride. Really. Like I didn't feel in control. I never had to make the initial leap. Out of the plane. You're kind of just dangling there. Your legs are shaky. Because you're kind of scared. And you're at this weird angle. Where your knees are perpetually bent. Because the way you're strapped in. But he goes. Ready. Set. Go. You lean in, ready, you lean back, set, and when you say go, you're hauling ass out of that plane. And he's doing that with you, so you really have very little control. If you wanted to stop right there, good luck. You would have had reached up, grabbed on a pole, and gripped for dear life, because it was not going to happen. Little control, you hop out, and I, free, I free-falled for one whole minute. And I had my mouth open for some reason. I don't know. I really had no idea what I was doing, but I'm looking at this video and I I realized right then and there, I need to shave. (laughs) I need to clean up a little bit. I need to get a haircut. It's been too long. My ears hurt so bad. The pressure, the air pressure change when you're falling at 120, 140 miles per hour, whatever it is, is so intense that your ears hurt so Bad. It's the worst thing you'll ever feel in terms of ear pressure, without like getting close to death in a submarine. Really, it was it was painful. And then he slaps my hand at the end of the one minute free fall to grab the chute. Pulled the chute. It was like this orange uh, golf ball handle. You pull on it, pulls you straight up, and that's when the different pain stops. You know, I pop my ears. So I like hold my nose, blow out. Pop my ears. I feel better there, but then. The harness and the parachute grips up right in your groin. And, like, the boys are okay down there, but the groin and the thighs, they are not so good. It's this, just ropes, hard rope burn just right on your groin, grips you so tight. And I, like, and I'm one of those guys who you could punch me in the face and I'll apologize. Like, I'm on the record for that type of guy. Like, I don't complain much. I suffer in silence, that's my MO, but it was so painful, I had to ask, like, how do you, like, while we're gliding down, you are holding on to the handles to steer and stuff, I'm like, yeah, how do you loosen this, this is very painful, I'm saying to this guy behind me, uh, tandem diving, and he's like, yeah, I guess you kind of sit back in your harness, and you kind of shimmy, and I tried, to no avail, it did not work, still in pain, for another four minutes, but overall, very cool experience, if you're an adrenaline junkie like myself, obviously do it, but I don't have to tell you that. Any true adrenaline junkie knows how fun it is to do that type of shit. Definitely go for it, just fucking do it. Uh, my girlfriend didn't do it, she was 0% possibility quote going to do it. She sat there like a champ for three hours, her birthday, I thank her so much for that, it was a great time, but yeah, if you're an adrenaline junkie go for it, just do it man. Just do it. Alrighty, folks. So that is going to be it for episode eight, I believe, eighth edition. We're pushing on double digits. We're gonna get there, folks. I know. I always say at the end of every episode, I'm gonna try to post more often, but I've been so slammed with like the birthday stuff, going out to eat, all that kind of stuff. I'm saying I'm slammed as if this is hard work, but I'm doing that kind of stuff recently. The uh, SFCBL, the, the collegiate league that I'm working with, is really ramping up. we got the All-Star game on Sunday. I've had a couple broadcasts to do for there. Obviously, uh, PA announcing, writing for the league, all that kind of shit. It's really ramping up, so I have not had much time to spare. But I'm happy to finally sit down, break down the MLB, get excited for the Yankees, get excited to make you guys money, rip college football. I am so excited. We're going to talk... NBA jerseys, MLB jerseys in terms of they're going to try to customize your jerseys to put political stances and slogans on it. I'll give you my opinion on that kind of stuff on next Cat Daily. But yeah, thank you for listening. I enjoyed it as you hopefully do enjoy listening to it. This was Cat Daily. I'm your host, Christian Cat. Thank you for listening and have a good one.